Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host Katrina Van Eyck and in this episode I interview an industry professional who has made a big difference in a short time in the industry. So please extend a big welcome to the podcast for Kelly Smart. Kelly started her career in aquatics eight years ago as the centre coordinator for the Lakes Entrance Aquadome in the East Gippsland Shire in regional Victoria. She came in knowing little about the industry but has built her knowledge very quickly by taking the opportunities that come to her. During the 2019 Victorian and New South Wales bushfires, Kelly stood up and took a crucial role running a second relief centre in her town for those affected and displaced by the fires. Her management and aquatic skill played a vital role in her success of taking care of her staff and the community and the connections she made with local emergency services. Kelly shares how the skills she gained from her role in the fires and experiences she had now shape the way her team deal with emergency training in the facility. She remembers how great it was to see the Aquadome staff coming together to help the town survive. They also worked together to help the neighbouring town of Orbost by helping the aquatic staff at Orbost Pool set up the pool ready for the CFA to pump water from the facility, which was to be used to fight the incoming fire front. Her experiences in the Christmas New Year's bushfires has shown Kelly the importance of slowing down and taking the time to breathe and assess the situation. After dealing with the brunt of the bushfires, Kelly had to jump into the role of COVID officer for the Shire, using her connections and knowledge of emergency situations to deal with the Shire's COVID response. The skills learned in the bushfires again played a big role in her response to COVID within the community and with her staff. Kelly emphasised taking care of her staff's mental health and continued to connect and ask questions throughout the first lockdown and now into subsequent lockdowns. Through today's episode, Kelly shares some insights into her work as well as her thoughts on swimming and where she sees swimming moving to into the future. Please share the hidden gems you find in Kelly's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors, and you will find her contact details listed in our show notes. If you want to share your aquatic journey, please contact me via email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. Love to share your industry knowledge and your journey in swimming uh, with our listeners. Also, check out our website, aquaticmentors.com.au for our season one ebook. It's fantastic tips that I've found during our season one interviews. So let's jump in and find out more about Kelly's journey in swimming. So Kelly, how did you start your journey in swimming? So swimming myself, I was a young swimmer. My parents took me to learn to swim program. I swam at the Mombok indoor pool. I can't really recall it too much. It seems so long ago that when I started, but I remember I did um, some squad swimming when I was a bit older and yeah, it turned out that I was never going to be an Olympian. So my swimming days just sort of went from, yeah, learn to swim, learn to, you know, enjoy the water. And now I love to float. I love that. Love to float. It's the best way, actually. <laughs> oh, so relaxing. You just, you know, your whole day melts away when you're floating in a pool. It's just awesome. Yep. Yep. I know that feeling. It's like therapy, just to be able to take that weight off you and, yeah, totally relax. Yep. 100%. <laughs> so, where has that progressed now that you're in the aquatics field as a facility manager? Yeah. So, my journey into the actual industry for working only started eight years ago. I moved to Lake Entrance out of Melbourne. We decided we wanted a country change and I applied for a job. Uh, not really sure what the job was, but was asked if I'd ever been to the Bark before, which is the Bansdale Aquatic and Recreation Centre. And my response in the interview was literally the what? And they said the Bark. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and they gave me the job. Wow. <laughs> and then... I actually fell in love with the industry. There's just something amazing about working with families and people on their wellness journey or working with kids who get so excited because they see water and they get to jump in the pool. And I just really, really enjoy this industry. So I've grown in it and started off as customer service team leader. And yeah, now I'm a facility manager at Lakes Entrance. And I have a real passion 
for knowing that people know the life skills of swimming and a passion for people to just enjoy this journey, not to make it a stressful life commitment sort of thing. It's it's, it's got to be fun. It's got to be enjoyable because, yeah, it's just such a great place to be. It is amazing. And that's really great that to offer that as a manager. And I, I think when you come into the industry like that, it then comes down through your teachers and through your staff. As you bring that role in as a manager and that commitment to making it fun, it means everyone's going to feed off of that. And it is a great facility that you run. I was just there for my first time for a course and it is beautiful, not just the town, and but the facility altogether and how it's run and how engaging everyone is. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, it's it's 26 years old, the Aquadome, but you, you just don't notice it. You know, we, we've done some recent painting and redid the flooring and stuff like that, but our, our best feature there is over our um, Learn to Swim pool is we've got these massive pictures of, of animals and We've got dolphins and we've got turtles and whales and all this sort of stuff. And the kids just love it, absolutely love it. And all they want to do is float so they can <laughs> see the ceiling. It is a good facility and it's such a community facility. It's a community hub. People come, they spend their time here. Sometimes we spend more time talking to them about their dogs and their cats and things like that rather than saying, hey, go to your swim lesson sort of thing. <laughs> Management makes them late to their lesson. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know everyone, you chat to everyone. It is just a, yeah, a friendly and a a great facility on such a beautiful backdrop as well. Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to my staff prior to us catching up and they were all saying that, you know, they're just so glad to see all the kids back swimming this week and everything because we we do live in a beautiful part of the world and there's water everywhere and we just want everybody to, you know, have the confidence to be able to enjoy the water. Yeah, and that, and that's your number one skill is to be able to have the confidence to enjoy the water. That's what we want to teach. As you said, there is water everywhere. I didn't realise how much water there was down near you guys. But to be able to go and do any activity in the water, whether there's a lot of fishing boats, boating, jet skiing, all that sort of stuff comes into it. That simple skill of learning to swim in your facility then benefits them and gives them that confidence to do whatever out in the water for the rest of their lives. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good work. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So over your journey in the industry, uh, what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned? Oh, biggest lesson I've learned to slow down. I like that. We're always in a rush to be the best, to have the, the most amount of people here, the attendance figures, the the money through the door, the all the turnovers and everything. We're always in a rush. And just recently, probably over the last 18 months, with a lot of things that have happened in this area, I have learnt to slow down and to to collaborate with people and go, hey, how's this working? Is this what we need to do? That sort of stuff. But by slowing down, you're able to take a step back and empathise with the people that are coming through the door. And we've got no idea half the time what's going on in people's lives. So when they walk through the door, we don't know if that mum bringing the kids to swimming lessons has just had the biggest fight with their teenager at home before walking out the door and trying to get their youngest one who's probably lost their goggles on the way and, you know, they've got all these things going on and all they want to do is put the kid in swim lessons and have that half an hour to just chill and let their kids swim. And so I think by us slowing down and myself slowing down, we can empathise with those people that just want to come here because it's a good place to be. And it is the one thing, like I sit back and I suppose I look at all the stats and you go to the conferences and you hear, oh, we've had this many people in our venue and this and this, and we've got, you know, these thousand kids going through our swim school. I look back at it from a smaller swim school and a smaller facility and think, wow, that's amazing. And that's fantastic. They're getting that many people through, but like that would blow my mind having to deal with so many people. And it just makes it, like you said, it is a rush. You, you're trying to get these targets all the time. Where does life get you where you can just slow down and relax and enjoy the people that come in the door? Yeah, definitely. I, I think the one thing is, is if we're rushing, then the kids rush. And so then it just becomes a big chaos. Whereas if we just take our time and progress slowly and move forward, 
it makes a big difference in people's journeys and what they're doing. Yeah. And I like your comment before about that something that's really showed up in the last 18 months for you guys having the big bushfires that went through and then also straight on to the pandemic. I mean, it's been a massive shock for you guys. You've come out of it in such an amazing way. But I think, yeah, it's definitely influenced your hand and forced you to take that time back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The bushfires that occurred here was was probably one of the most significant things that has happened in my my world to date, where it wasn't an individual impact. It was a community and not just a small community, a large community impacted in multiple ways. And so we finally start, you know, getting back on track and getting excited and start planning events and everything, and then, bam, we get hit with COVID. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely massive. And the team that I work with, the way we've all changed together and moved together is just, it inspires me. It helps me, you know, be what I want to be. It helps me know that we can do good in the community and we're not just, you know, lifeguards or swim teachers or customer service. We, we actually are community members as much as everybody else. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I listen to your talk at the ARV Country Pools Conference. And that was one thing I really got out of it is that you being a manager of the facility, it is not just, you're not just a manager of an aquatic facility. The role you took on during the fires was, you know, showed your community, your community spirit and how you are engaged and in, involved in the community and the fact that you were just onto it, ready to go and sort of just took each step as it came. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I'd like to think that I could do it in any setting and, and step up and help people in any setting, but it, it did make a big difference knowing what my community needed and what my community was about, knowing that while I was down looking after the relief centre, someone was looking after my kids so that I could help the people that weren't from our community and things like that, knowing that, you know, when the roads got blocked off to us that, we had people going, I've got plenty of food here. If you don't have any food, you know, we've got fresh water, things like that. And then the biggest lesson learned was the information sharing through it all. I never actually realised uh, how many dangerous plants we have around here that <laughs> the bushfire hits stay away from them. Um, and that was great knowledge to get from the CFA and everything because, you know, you get in your head, oh, you know, it's coming, I'm just going to go to the beach. Well, no, no, you can't. You've got lots of tea tree out there. So a massive change in the way that I see things too. So, you know, like a lot of people talk about the, I'm a community member, you know, I'm part of the football club, the netball club, the life-saving club, all that sort of stuff. But to actually see what the community is in a crisis like that was just huge. Yeah, I think it just steps everyone up and, shows the ones that are willing to take on those roles and make a difference and help the community and yeah simple things like you said are finding out that you can't just go to the beach where everyone thinks oh fire straight to water I'll be right at the beach you can't do that because the trees are I mean I never would have thought of something like that impacting it yeah no no it was um a a big learning experience and look to be honest I wish I didn't know it because I wish we didn't go through it but now that I have been through it, I look at like emergency situations and the way that we do everyday things very differently. So like in the facility, for example, we would look at, you know, our off health and safety and how we keep our patrons safe and how we keep our staff safe and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now instead of, you know, following the rule book and going, you know, this has to happen and this has to happen, this has to happen, we, we put the empathy behind it and we go, okay, well, why does that have to happen? How does that have to happen? And, you know, and making sure that people really fully understand and the communication is a lot clearer rather than everybody knows what a slip, triple, fall, you know, hazard is. But the reality is, is that, well, how do we help that person afterwards? You know, how do we stop it from happening for? And, yeah, so a lot of emergency planning has changed uh, since that event, which I have to say probably helped us uh, prepare for COVID. Yes, it all thrusted upon us at once, but preparing for COVID and the shutdowns and everything, we were doing massive check-ins with our staff after the bushfires because of mental health and that, and we just continued it the whole way through COVID. We didn't turn around and go, oh, well, you know, centre's closed, sorry, you know, we'll talk to you when we reopen. 
we would do an online meetings like we we do Friday night dress up and beers, um, so everyone get on Zoom and and stuff like that. We would do like people would pair up and go for a walk and you know have a coffee and do their exercise together. And it wasn't a ticker box; it was genuine. It was something that we knew that we had staff that had lost homes, our neighbours had lost homes, they'd lost everything, and then going into COVID like we had co-workers who were doing the work from home in a hotel room and it's like trying to you know make sure that they are okay you know not just you know physically but mentally like it was um yeah it it came to light a lot through the bushfires because we had these systems put in place because we went oh my gosh we need to check in on these people and then yeah we just continued it even uh last Friday night when we're before we opened up again we did another Zoom beers and dress up and I wore this beautiful pink wig and uh, apparently now my staff think that I should dye my hair pink. So. <laughs> I, I want to see that. I really want to see that. Oh, I'll share it. I'll share it. <laughs> that could be, I'll use that as a profile thing for the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're, we're good on that front. <laughs> I'm a... <laughs> And I think that's like exactly what you said. It is genuine. It is not something that you've put into protocol or you know, tick the box. It is that you have genuinely been concerned for these people in regards to the fires had started off and then it's continued into COVID. I think that's fantastic. People understand when it is genuine. And to be able to, like, you have no idea of these things of how people are going to be affected when fire comes through. And especially like you said, with workers having to live out of motel and hotel rooms, it's something that you can't, you don't really comprehend until it happens. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree. And we have a facility in Orbost and that's about 45 minutes away from Lakes Entrance. And it's a seasonal facility. And so obviously that was impacted during the bushfires as well. But you know, we, we drive up there all the time and, you know, we go see the staff up there, we check on the facility, you know, have really nice morning tea at one of the local bakeries, you know, they do really good coffee and really nice pies, you know, and so, like, that that's another small community that's awesome. But until the bushfires hit, we didn't actually realise how segregated we were from them either because when the roads closed, we couldn't get anything to them. So we got a phone call leading up to... The, the major part of what happened with the bushfires over New Year's, we got a phone call from the CFA. They needed to use our pool water because there wasn't enough water supply if the fire continued heading towards Orbost. So they actually needed the water out of the pool. Luckily, the wind changed and they were able to, you know, they didn't need it all. But, yeah, yeah we, we were on the phone and because we couldn't get up there to help, we actually were um, FaceTiming our staff up there on how to turn the pool off all the mechanics and everything so the CFA could set their pumps up and it's things like that that we took for granted in how far away they actually were and that when yeah the roads blocked off it was really really highlighted to us okay we need to put some systems in place to be able to support these people up there. Wow and I suppose having someone who would remember and visually be able to remember what the system looks like to be able to describe to them what they have to turn off and how that all works. Yeah, that's amazing to go through that. Yeah, I have to say, like, my team here are very passionate and love what they do. So, therefore, you know, they're all over it. But I have to admit, if the technology wasn't there and we had to verbally do it without the video, probably would have been a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It would have made such a big difference. Wow, that's amazing. But to be able to do that and to be able to stand up and help your neighbours and help them with their facility and in turn then hopefully help the actual town. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, the Orbos pool's been uh, definitely a community pool for a really long time. A few years ago we had uh, obviously a significant drought in this area as well and we actually needed to empty the pool. And because we had to do some works to the shell of the pool and, and things like that, the fiberglass was cracking. And so instead of just dumping the water, we actually had it uh, chemically tested to see if we could donate it to the farmers. And it turned out we could. And so we ended up pumping it all out into water trucks and delivering it to the farmers of Orbost so that they could use it as bore water. 
So that was, yeah, that was pretty cool as well. So the, yeah, the Orbos community and the Orbos pool is one that's very, very much connected to each other. Without yeah. that pool yeah. and without those swimming ability up there, yeah, I don't know what they would do. Wow, that's amazing to be able to just give back in a way, a simple way of giving farmers water, you know, in drought. We all know how bad it gets. Yeah, to be able to have that connection and to be able to offer that service that make a difference in so many people's lives. Yeah, it, it did. And like I said, it made it easier for us because we needed to do the fiberglass works <laughs> for it. So, um, yeah, so it made it feel like we weren't just, you know, wasting a whole bunch of water. It felt we were doing a good thing. Yeah, win-win situation. Definitely. So what's been the highlight of your journey in aquatics so far? Highlight aquatic. Mm. Well, I have to say presenting at the ARV conference was something that I always wanted to do and I did get to do that this year. So that that was a highlight. But <laughs> a really simple highlight, I'm I'm not an Olympic swimmer. I'm not, you know, the, the strongest swimmer I can swim. But our Orbos pool is, you know, 50-metre pool and in the deep end it's 3.3 metres deep. Wow. And so, like, I'm, I'm not the most confident. So a highlight for me was I had to do a depth test at the Orbos pool and I did it. So that's <laughs> probably my, my career highlight <laughs> in its simplest form. Um, but, yeah, no, my, my other one was to be able to share my knowledge and my story and stuff with colleagues and people around the industry probably a highlight for me because we all do things differently and so it's nice to talk to people and learn from people and and see where their journey is taking them and, and sort of see what I can feel of <laughs> <laughs> this way other than that probably I don't know but the biggest it's not really a highlight for me but I have to say seeing other people achieve what they're setting out to do so we have a lot of turnover of staff yeah, as most do in the industry. But for us, it's, we have a lot of year 12 students who come through and then they go off to uni, come back on the school holidays. And then after about three or four years at uni, we lose them to the, you know, the industry that they want to go into. And I think one of the biggest highlights for me is when a couple of parents came and seen me a few years ago and thanked me for encouraging their kids to actually keep working but go and get their dream job. That there, there was no pressure of, you know, oh, well, you're not going to be here, so we're not going to have you work. It was more that, well, we want you to work while you're trying to achieve what you want to achieve and while you're here, we get the best out of you. So I guess that's probably a really weird one <laughs> to answer your question, but I think for me it's knowing that I've got people who love working here and will always work here, but also those ones that come through for a short time and you get to help guide their journey as well. I really like that because a lot of the time as industry representatives, we look at it and we go, oh, these ones that are only here for a short time, they're more of a hindrance because we've got to train new ones up and we put our work in and then they disappear. But you are setting them up for the rest of their life. You're giving them that opportunity to excel in a skill they want. Hopefully in that time where introducing them to the amazing world of aquatics and that if something doesn't work out they will come back or they might want to change their career to aquatics but you are making a human being and developing someone and at the same time they're giving back to the facility and you know teaching kids and offering children that experience because of the work you're putting in with them yeah definitely I mean even to add further into that like with the surf clubs around here, like a lot of the kids go through the Nippers program and then they're able to give back by doing summer patrols and things like that. And I love just watching that, the fact that these kids have been introduced at a young age to, you know, water safety and being safe and then they're giving it back. So they're, they're paying it forward. And I think with the young ones that come through our industry as well, I think there's a lot that do pay it back and give it back. And it, in multiple ways, like we've had, you know, I've seen people go from becoming a competitive swimmer with our Water Dragon Club to working for Life Save Victoria as a trainer, you know, and, and, and giving it back and, and things like that. So it's, yeah, I think we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, we need this staff member now and this is what we need and this is how we need to do it, whether if we actually look at the, the longevity of it and go, okay, well, 
what's this person actually trying to achieve and can we, you know, help them get there? But in the meantime, we're getting something back at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. We're helping, we're giving them, but we're giving, we're getting back as well. And what we offer them continues in their lifetime. Yeah, and, and I think the the other big one to me is when the, the young ones come through, so I'm talking year 12 students while they're studying and stuff. And I think it it's really good because we seem to have this gap, like kids go through learn to swim programs and they then sort of drop off in that teenager year like they do in most sports. And it's great that when they come back at 16, 17 to say, hey, I want a job, yes, they're teaching, but they're still keeping their skills around water safety. And that message will continue on to the next generation and the next generation to continue that message of how important it is to be safe around the water. Yeah. And you just don't know how much, you know, like while they're at university, how much they're teaching others and their life can change and experience. I mean, we were speaking with what you can get from doing learn to swim and becoming a swim teacher, even if you only do it six months, it can set you up for so much more and so many other opportunities out there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. As we said about your talk at ARV at the Aquatics and Recreation Victoria Conference, I really found it amazing and it was such on topic for the conference. I would love to see you in there a lot more and having a presenting role in a number of different conferences because I think the knowledge that you bring to the industry is amazing and it's not just, you know, what you know about the industry but what you bring in from all other areas all other roles that you've had I think you know and you're so grounded and and knowledgeable in that stuff we really need to get you up there and presenting more so if anyone that's listening has conferences in aquatics we need Kelly Smart on there and chatting about it says it in her last name she's smart she needs to get it out there (laughs) (laughs) thanks Katrina I was wondering when uh, the smart name was going to come into play (laughs) Well, I had to put it in there. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I love sharing knowledge. I I think the more that we share, the more we learn. And I'm always learning. My background, like my father was an educator, so he was a school principal all my life. And yes, I went to his school and everything as well. So yes, we have all that. But the one thing that he continually talked to me about was you never stop learning. So even when you have done all these courses in the world and you go into a new place, you're still learning, whether it be you're learning, you know, to to flex with different personalities or to learn a whole new technology system or, you know, just even learning to know your new community. You never stop learning. And I think one of the things that we, we take for granted is the fact that the silent person in the room is usually taking everything in and listening and I think sometimes we we forget to, you know, say, hey, what do you know? What What's going on? So, you know, very interested in, in sharing knowledge, if anyone's interested. <laughs> Hearing without a couple of beers under the belt uh, is can be quite informative. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's brilliant. And, yes, we need to get you out there. But it, it is the thing, like you said, always learning. I've put together an ebook for season one of this podcast and that was one of the main top points was need to always be learning I had a sort of post on Facebook a while back and it said you know what's an expert in the field of aquatics what do you what do you think an expert is and a lot of people wrote on there someone that is always learning and is always relating to the people that are in the industry you're not standing above everyone and saying I'm better I know everything it's someone who's wanting to get in with you know the people on the ground and learning about it and keeping up with current day issues and things like that that's what I think really shows with yourself that you're in the mix of it but always taking that time to learn and learning off of others and not just out of books and things like that thank you (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) so has there been people or a person that's played a major role in your swimming journey uh Look, to be honest, if we're talking mentors, my mentors, I wouldn't say uh, in the aquatics side of it, but for swimming itself, I do recall when I was about 12 years old that I had uh, this coach or instructor, might have been a coach, and 
it was really hard, you know, like it kept, you know, you've got to go faster, you've got to go faster, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you know, and we'll correct my arms and correct this and everything. And it will, I remember it so clearly because I thought to myself at that point in time, I don't actually ever want to speak to anybody like that. And it sits in the back of my mind, you know, that memory part that you can't seem to get rid of, of, you know, things. And um, it sits in my mind that, I go, when I, when I look at people or when I'm trying to communicate with people, don't do that. Don't make it hard for them. Don't, you know, put the pressure on, you know, like there, there's always a way to do things. And especially when we're learning something new like, you know, water safety skills or, you know, learning a new computer game or thing on your iPhone, you've got to not make it hard because otherwise people just turn away from it and they just don't want to be a part of it. So I guess that was sort of an influence on my, my journey. But other than that, yeah, I've had lots of people in my, in my lives. I have many mentors that, you know, I, I talk to quite a lot. And I also have a few de-mentors, ones that, you know, cause me grief, but I really appreciate them because, you know, you can't always have someone telling you you're doing a great job because you're not always, but there's a construct to it. But swimming itself, I... You know, I just have to say, being Australian, swimming is what we do. You know, you go to the beach, you're in the water. Like my husband and I keep talking about putting this pool in our backyard. Like we've got a spa, but, you know, putting a pool in our backyard. My kids are nearly grown up, but um, it's not for them. You know, like everyone goes, oh, get a pool. You know, the kids will have so much fun. It's not for them. It's because I want to float. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I have to say, like, as far as swimming itself, you know, I love watching the Olympics. I think that's it's the elite it's amazing but I also love walking out onto pool deck and watching a kid at the age of four put their head under the water and blow bubbles and get up and look at their mum or their dad or nan or pop or whoever's there and go look what I did <laughs> you know I think they're just on the same scale as when it comes to that sort of stuff so I think yeah my influence through it is just yeah I don't really have one main one if that makes sense yeah no, I like that because it does emphasize the fact that there's so many people that influence us it is just the everyday people as well as those that are our mentors and specific people that we go to whether they be in the industry or outside the industry again it's another big topic that comes out that we don't have to have mentors inside of aquatics it's good to have that understanding with people that know what you're doing and your role but so many other industries can influence what we do and can bring in a lot of attention to what we do. So I think that's fantastic. But also knowing that, you know, the everyday average person that comes into your facility and those children, you know, the age of four can influence you and give you that inspiration and the determination to keep going, as well as watching an Olympian swim or, you know, speaking to an expert in the industry. There's so many ways you can draw inspiration out of it. Yeah, 100%. That's brilliant. I love that. (laughs) 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 That that answer just encompasses everything that's not only that I feel, but I've found in all these uh, podcast episodes that everyone said it's you can pull it from everywhere. Yeah, definitely. If you're not looking elsewhere, then you're you're not open to it. Yeah. So, you know, like if you're digging to one tunnel and you're looking down that one tunnel, you're going to stay on that tunnel. You're not going to expand into branches or anything like that. You, you need to sit back and reflect and open up your mind and go, you know what, that person was who I needed for that time. But, you know, I've now evolved and I'm going to go to the next sort of stage and the next stage and the next stage. And it helps you. You still have that original person, but as you develop and as you grow and you start seeing these things like, and then all of a sudden you become a mentor yourself and you go, wow, when did that happen? <laughs> when did I become that person? <laughs> For me, it's all about the journey. Yeah. So what advice do you give to new people coming into the aquatics industry, whether they be teachers, coaches, marketing managers, customer service managers, all those people? Take a breath. When we swim, we're taught to breathe. But for some reason, when we go to work, we stop. Um, So I think it's really important to take a breath and just get to know your surroundings, get to know 
where you are and just realize that you know by sometimes taking that breath can save you a lot of pain in the long term my other bit of advice would be don't be afraid change is good change is great like me eight years ago I had never worked in this industry and a lot of people that I talked to they, they started as a lifeguard or a swim teacher or something like that and so I thought for a long time when I started in this industry oh you know I don't know enough about this I you know I didn't grow up in this industry I wasn't a 16 year old lifeguard you know that sort of stuff but the more I stopped and took that breath and listened to people and realized that you don't have to have been born in this industry you can grow no matter where you are and so yes my, my biggest advice is have a go don't be afraid and just because something says something kind of pd that you go oh i've never done that before don't be afraid to put your hat in the ring because you might just as well be taught how to do that thing that you don't know yeah a lot of the time when you're dealing with people as a, you know, I only employ a few people, but a lot of the time if they haven't got that role, it's actually easier to then train them in the way that you need them for that role. So sometimes they can already have that opportunity or that qualification and it can be a hindrance in some way, especially if you have a set way of the way you train or what you want out of that role. But it is just about giving it a go. And I think that's something I heard a number of studies back a few years ago that women don't put their name into the arena. They get, you know, males will, if they've got 50% of the qualifications, will still try, whereas women, we have to be 90 or 100% of qualifications before we even put our name in there and give it a go. So it is about taking those opportunities, opening the door on opportunities for ourselves so, you know, ringing up people or going in for job interviews that we don't think we're capable of, but seeing what opportunities are out there. And that's something I think as country aquatics professionals, we are able to do a lot more of because we have to go find those opportunities. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree on that. We um, living so far out of Metro, you know, we, we don't have the opportunity to just go oh well we've got this group of people apply for the job but you know they're not who we want it's more like okay what can we do with them can we get them to what we need and stuff like that and I think you know like you're exactly right you know those statistics a few years ago I saw them as well and I have to admit myself turn around went oh you know what I'm going to give it a go I'm I'm not going to be a statistic anymore I'm going to give it a go and since then, I have actually had multiple hats in my own organisation by putting my hand up and saying, hey, what about me? And I've done roles that I never thought in my wildest dreams I would ever be able to do. Not sure if I succeeded at them. You know, I haven't asked for that feedback yet. <laughs> but, but having a go, you know, in the last 18 months, I have stepped out of aquatics for a little bit and I worked as a pandemic projects coordinator helping the organisation through the, you know, the COVID pandemic. And I still do do that now, as well as back in the aquatics. I had the opportunity to step in as um, manager of regulatory and compliance, which was to do with local laws and building surveyors. And wow, that was an interesting world. To then step back into my aquatics role and running the facility, to now I'm having an opportunity to be an acting manager of council enterprises. So I'm looking after theatres and livestock exchange you know cows so that's an interesting one yeah it stemmed from putting my hand up and saying oh give me a shot can I do this and it is hard to get that confidence I accept that and I acknowledge that but sometimes it's just putting your hat in the ring and if you don't get it not shying away from the next opportunity yeah and even asking why you didn't get it, what's the feedback? What can I do better? Where do I need to go? Do I need this qualification or do I need that? Or where can I learn? And it may not always be the qualification. It may be, you know, you can just go out and learn a bit more on a specific topic. And, it's, yeah, it's exactly that, just taking that time and giving it a role. And I think you must have done something right because they wouldn't give you more opportunities if you done them wrong <laughs> I hope so I hope so I just um one thing that I, I have been watching lately so here at the Aquadome we've got five trainee teachers at the moment who are doing their placement hours after doing the course with yourself Katrina 
and watching them and going, you know what, they've done their qualification and they're enjoying doing the training and realising that it doesn't stop there. These guys are going to be great swim teachers, not because they got a qualification, but because they're open to having a go. And I think three of them have already put their hand up. They want to do their infants, you know, like they want to do the mums and bubs classes and things like that. And I just think that's just fantastic that they've joined into, you know, our industry where we are very short on swim teachers. I'll acknowledge that. And we, we don't want to rush people through their qualification, but we want to mentor and train them. But for them to come back and say, hey, I really like this. I'm really enjoying this. I really want to have a go at the next thing already. I think it's just it's just such a courageous thing to do in the, this time is to, yeah, put your hand up and say, hey, what about me? And I think being that they feel comfortable enough to be able to do that with you as a facility, that they can, yeah, put their hand up and say, I want to extend my knowledge. I want to do more. They're not just thrown in the deep end. And I think that's the one thing in regards to courses. I know in other countries they will do the swim teacher course and it can take a number of months to a number of years to go through and do it. Where in Australia it can be either a one-day course or a two-day course. So it becomes up to the facility to do a lot more training. And the courses you touch on a number of topics, but to really get that in-depth training and make those swimming teachers a perfect swimming teacher, a great swimming teacher, it needs that one-on-one training and in the water, working with another facility teacher. And to be able to adapt and learn to move around, I think it shows that they're learning that, but then also that they're skilled and they want to develop and learn more to be able to go out and do infants and babies and to take that initiative themselves instead of you guys as the facility going, we need more baby teachers, please do the course. Yeah, no, agreed. So for you, what does swimming and aquatics look like in the future? Oh, yeah, I'm not real good with future. (laughs) I think what I would like to see is I'd like to see it accessible for everybody. I, I know we have overheads and we have costs associated with running programs and things like that, but I think if there was a way that we could have it subsidized or you know like just more accessible for people I think what it is is when when I'm talking accessibility like financial is the big one for a lot of people but I think it's more as well as like the multiculturalism the inclusiveness making sure that we're not just putting a program on because we have to put a program on and I think the swimming side of it I can use an example we have a user group come to the facility and they are all older adults with multiple ranges of disabilities and they come down as a group but and they want to do swimming lessons they want them to learn to swim and our team got their heads together and decided that we're going to throw out the structured swim lesson program and they've been doing water safety through game play and taking that sort of that stance with it in going you know what we can engage with these with these people in on a different level and do the gameplay and the, the theory behind that, we'll be able to get them to swim. And I can happily say that they've come back after COVID and they're all in the pool. And I think we have like 30 at one time in the water and a group of them go and play a bit of volleyball. Then they go and do a couple of, you know, strokes and stuff. And then they come back and they play. You heard the game over and under? Yes. Well, we do over and side. So they have a ball and they go over and then they go side and and things like that. So I think when I look at something like that, we made it affordable, we made it accessible, we made it inclusive, and I just think that that needs to be across across the board. So I think the more people you have learning to swim because it's a life skill. It's you know it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I I love swimming. I love being in the water. I love dunking my kids under the water. I think that's the best therapy as a parent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's brilliant but knowing that it's a life skill that someone who goes out with friends on a boat already knows that if something happens on that boat they can tread water until help comes if needed living on the surf beaches you know like I'd love to surf like I reckon I'd be a great surfer you know like I, I would be that picturesque surfer and then yeah no it's never going to happen but you know in my head that's what I want to happen but it's like 
I can still go out on the surf coast and I can get dumped by the waves and I can have fun because I've got that life skill of understanding what it's like to be in the water. So I think for me, the future of swimming needs to be, it's great to be an Olympian. Everyone wants to be an Olympian when the Olympics is on. And I encourage anyone who wants to be an Olympian, go for it. But the reality is, is that everyone needs to know the life skill and the enjoyment of what it's like to be around water. But we need to make it accessible, inclusive for everybody. Yeah, that's it. Boom, my job. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. I love it. I like your facilities idea about the play area because it's going to be engaging. It's going to be fun for them, which is something that you said originally that you wanted to bring to the facility, but it helps them. It helps them get used to the water. They are still doing their strokes. They're going off and doing that. Then they're coming back and they're having fun and excitement in the water. And a lot of the time, those short sort of snips of activities bring out the best in people because they're not having to concentrate and it doesn't become dull and boring for such a long time. They have fun, they laugh, they're more comfortable and confident in the water and then they can go off and do something else and it's a bit of a challenge and then they have fun and laugh and become confident in that and then they're back and forth. So I think that's a really good way of looking at it and I think that's what we need to do for all of aquatics. Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes we we put too much structure in some things, although we need structure, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying throw out the rule book, but I think sometimes we put in a, a little bit too much structure. And if we look to other industries like the education industry and actually go, you know what, how are they engaging with preppies all day, every day, and keeping them engaged and entertained and, you know, while learning to, you know, uh, as yourself, as a mum, Katrina, you've done the reading nights with those kids and you know, you sit there and we do 20 minutes of it and these teachers are doing hours and hours and hours of this sort of stuff. And and I think if we were to look at that sort of industry and, and integrate it into our instructor industry in the way that we educate. So instead of looking at, you know, oh, that's just swim lessons. It's not. It's an education. You know, it's, it's the way that we, you know, we need to do it. But I think, yeah, making it fun and accessible. I mean, the amount of times you do see kids that are like, oh, I don't want to do this or mum, I don't want to go to sport or, you know, sort of thing. But I know for myself as a parent, my third daughter, you know, because I've got four, my third daughter, she just loves sport, every sport you can think of, right? And it's not because she's the best at it or anything like that. It's because it's fun. You know, her, her number one sport at the moment is basketball and that's because she can run. It's not for any other reason. She can just run and they just make it fun and easy. And I think, you know, like she, she still swims, don't get me wrong. <laughs> she still swims and she's still part of it. But I think, yeah, she stopped doing swimming lessons because it became, well, the words she used was that I just follow a line, yeah. a black line at the bottom of the pool. And so I think, yeah, if we can make it more fun and more engaging, then we'll keep them longer. And yeah. I think it also loses it a bit as well in swimming when it becomes that following the black line. The team environment does go with a lot of places, so it becomes an individualised sport, whereas basketball, netball, football, all those sort of things, they're playing with their friends, soccer and all that. It becomes, you know, like if you don't get the goal or you don't come to training, you're letting down the rest of the team, not just letting yourself down. So it loses that engagement. A lot of facilities now are starting or teams are starting to build up that sort of team environment which helps but I think it also you see it in the media and with the Olympics I mean our Australian team has done absolutely amazing this year but it is still individual achievements it's great to put it out there and it's great to have that team environment to build that but it can be hard as well as an individual sport it requires a lot much more determination because in a team sport, you feed off of each other, whereas in yep. swimming, you're feeding off yourself and your coach. And you Ariane Tidness, who has shown, you know, the fact that she's, when she wins these medals, she's doing it for Dean Boxall. She's doing it for his commitment that he's given, as well as her family, but she can see that commitment the coach has given her. Yep. To be able to have that passion and that understanding and that influence on someone's life, it just shows that even at that high level, there are other reasons why they do it and why they keep swimming. Yeah. Definitely. 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Katrina. You know, like the trying to create it as a team environment, although it's not a team team sport. It's yeah, definitely something that I think as facilities we can try and help encourage as well through our programs. That you know, yep, you're doing it so that you can learn the skill and you can learn this sort of stuff. But at the same time, you know, there's five or six of you in that class, and you can all encourage each other to do it together. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's right. And it's a team building. It is. You've got kids that, yeah, we all want to achieve and we all, most of us, I think there's would be quite odd to have a child that doesn't want to cheer on another person in their group. Use that as a swim teacher and as a coach as an advantage. You know, they can cheer on each other and they should be pushing each other to achieve a skill. So that's where that comes into it as well. I think the best thing that I've seen around here with with cheering kids on to swim is our primary schools have their carnivals here at our little centre. So they have their, their summer swim carnivals and there's a primary school called Tulu, Tulu Arm primary school here and what they do is that because some kids get very scared about competition swimming and you know like it's, it's a big scary sort of thing and oh, I can't swim as good as that person so I don't want to do it so instead of them sitting on the side doing nothing they actually hire out our program pool at the same time and they have races but it's who can collect the most balls in the pool who can grab like they have boogie boards and they have boogie board races and things like that all while the main sort of swimming is going on. So, like, they still have kids. And then what happens is, is if there's children that, you know, aren't as strong as the others, that everyone's cheering them on, you know. And the exciting part is is getting them to the end. It's not about getting first, second or third. It's about getting them to the end. And so every time, you know, and they're not the only school in the area. Like, they all have their own little unique things. But this one, it really resonates with me when they're there that I look at them and I go, wow, that's really impressive to get all the kids swimming at least something on their carnival day. Yep. They're all in the water then. And like you said, the older ones can cheer on the younger ones. Everyone's getting involved, but also giving them that laid back experience in that little pool, doing those games. It means that they may be more inclined next year to give something else a go. As they develop and get more confidence and more understanding, they can then, you know, maybe step up and then they can say, oh, I've done that. I've been in that little pool. I can cheer those guys on and they can see the the step-by-step or my progression into the bigger pool and hopefully learn from what they've done. Yeah, definitely. And I have to say, being, you know, the academy for the last five years, I have seen that happen. You know, like the kids that were in the program pool the year before are now in the actual big pool having, having a go. So that's great. Yeah, that's brilliant. To be able to sit back and take that time as well and see that just makes a big benefit for everyone. So how can we as individuals and as an industry promote and develop Learn to Swim and the competitive swimming to encourage more participants but do all that with less funding? Is there a way or are we not able to do it? I think we can do it. Like we have a program here that we run every Friday night. So from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m., it's free entry into the aquatic area for anybody. So anyone who wants to come for a swim, anybody who wants to just come for a play, anyone who wants to use the spa or the sauna, it's free. And so, and that's across all our centres in East Gippsland. And it's a commitment that that we made to be able to give people the accessibility to come into the centre. So I think with the less funding, we've just got to find different ways to do it. The other way of doing it is is being smart with what we do. So like schools, for example. So schools do school programs with us but the buses the buses cost them a lot of money so one thing that we've done here is with our schools that have to travel a bit further they do two lessons in one day so they come down they do their first 45 minute lesson then they get a half an hour lunch break where because we've got play equipment outside as well which we designed for school group they go outside they have their lunch their recess whatever it might be and then they come back and do their next 45 minute lesson so they're still getting their, their lessons in. They're still getting the same amount of teaching, but their bus costs are way down, so allowing for more accessible, so more kids to be able to come and helping with the funding side of it. I think there's ways that we can do it. You know, like we don't have it perfect. I know that. We, we need to work on it as well. But I think as an industry, we need to advocate more that it's not just, you know, it's not just a PE program that has to happen or it's not just a, another sport, you know, like because we – you know kids play sport but it's not just another sport it's it's important it's a life skill that these that these kids need to know so they can take it through to their you know their adulthood we've got adult swim lessons that occur here as well and the main comment that people do for the adult swim lessons is 
it's not about them being afraid of the water because we don't want people afraid of the water, but it's about the fact that they were never taught. They never had the opportunity. And so when we look at, you know, the older generation and that's the feedback that they're giving us is they're doing these adult lessons because they just want to know how to do it. And I think if we can't find a way as an industry to get more kids swimming now, we're still going to have in 50 years time those kids that turn into the older adults going, I never had the opportunity, I never taught. I think in my opinion is that they because it's such a life skill and because of where we live around so much water that there really should be an advocacy to make it accessible for everybody because it just has to be done. Yep. Yeah, that is exactly it. Just the uh, giving those opportunities and understanding why people do things. Simple thing as they never had the opportunity to learn to swim when they were younger. You are now giving them that opportunity. They can come in and whether they do it by themselves in that time where the pool's free to enter or they come in and they do that learn to swim. And then with the children, what a great idea getting them back in at the same time, on the same day. It does eliminate when I was running a one of the local country swim schools here, she rang me up and she said, I understand you're a qualified swim teacher. Can you come to us and run a program? Because we have to take the kids an hour to the local pool. And it costs them over a week program, a week, yeah, week's program, $900 to be able to travel the whole school down and the whole school back. Whereas I went to the local pool over summer. They now up to three week program. And they just walk down. So I'm, I'm saving them so much money by just going to their local pool, which is an hour for me. And the kids can walk down. They can have a 45-minute lesson instead of a half an hour. They're not being rushed through to then travel back. Just that simple cost means they can put that in and get you know more trainers. We I've had three trainers there now helping me. And I hope to have a fourth so then I can do more individualised work with one or two kids. But those opportunities, having them come twice a day, you know, it, they're learning. They're still getting that time and they're not getting that overhead cost of having to take that bus travel makes it more accessible and it is trying different things for different facilities something you do may not work for somewhere in Melbourne something I do here may not work in other facilities but I think it's just trying and knowing your clients and knowing why they want to do things like you said yeah yeah no definitely but yeah I, th- I think the the biggest one is that you know if anything that I've learned over the last couple of years is that you've got to try something to see if it works you know if if we don't you know if we keep doing the same thing and spinning around on the same wheel nothing's going to change and it's going to end up just fizzing out whereas yeah if we can sit back and work together and share knowledge and try and make it more accessible more easier for people to learn this skill then yeah and look the funding isn't always going to be there Mm. you know it's just not and the living in you know some areas of victoria are low social economic and we don't want those people to miss out either so we have to find a way to yeah to develop our programs to be able to yeah to do it and i think that is like giving them a go just trying something seeing if it works but not giving up straight away. I know I've put in a few different programs and I've learned now you've got to leave it for a year or so in the system, which is not ideal for some places, but you know, people don't like change or sometimes in some smaller communities, they don't like new things. So you've got to give them that time to get used to it, to know that if they put the time and effort in, it is going to be a program that will stick around. And sometimes you know straight away that, okay, it hasn't worked and you can get feedback. But yeah, it's about yeah jumping in, like you said, giving it a go, trying different things and then giving that time and putting also the marketing out there so people understand what's going on. Yeah, and I think on, on the marketing, it it's also the educational marketing behind it too. Like we, we can market how our swim school's X amount of dollars for fortnight and this is what you get, blah, blah, blah. But as, as a parent myself, four kids going through the swim program, that was quite expensive. But I knew what I was getting out of it, whereas not everybody understands or knows that that's what it's all about. Um, congratulations, your child is now a level D2 courage and you sit there and go, awesome, cool, what does that mean? And by having, yeah, that, that sort of when we're talking marketing, really having that information about why it's important, what it is and what the benefits are 
of it. We, we talk a lot about oh, we want kids to swim and we want competitive swimming and all that sort of stuff. But what's the benefits to swimming? You know, like I know take the swimming part aside of it, but rehabilitation in the water is just amazing for people. But yet they still need to know how to swim to be able to have the confidence to get in the water to be able to do the rehab. So it's all, it's all connected. And I think that, yeah, a lot of the times we, we try to market it as a product instead of a service and I think that's something that could change too yeah and yeah. it's also it is also about marketing it to real life situations so you know like you said it is you need to know how to swim to be able to get the therapy out of it you need to know how to swim to be able to you know, go into the beach environment how can this certain skill relate to their real life environment or to their everyday life whether it be in other aquatic opportunities or whether it be to day-to-day life. So, yes, in a Babies and Toddlers, Laurie Lawrence has done a lot of, and Emma Lawrence has done a lot of studies and finding out that, yes, swimming helps with coordination. Swimming helps with physical and mental development. Swimming helps with other things, connection, building confidence. We need to be able to market and say, okay, you know, this will help your child do blah, blah. This will help your child be able to play ball sports or walk better or all those sort of things, real-life situations that people can relate to that may be out of that aquatic field. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Well, that's the last of the questions. (laughs) (laughs) The torment's done. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to share about? Oh, I don't know. I I think just, I don't know, if I was to sum up this conversation that we're having, Katrina, is that, you know, swimming is just something that should just be inbred into us. You know, like it's, it's such a, I don't know, there's just so many aspects to it. Like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Scrap that. (laughs) But I, I just think that, you know, like to, to sum it up, my journey in particular started in the industry as a worker eight years ago. But thanks to my parents putting me in swim lesson programs when I was younger, I've always been able to enjoy the water, whether it be, you know, swimming at a friend's house in their backyard pool without parental supervision, because we all know that used to happen, um, to, you know, going to the beach and not being afraid to go in the surf, you know, like, um, knowing that, you know, like I, I recently, you know, purchased myself a stand-up paddleboard and, um, you know, I have to say I can slowly get up, um, but knowing that if I fall off that it's okay, you know, um, not having that that fear of the water. Someone said to me um, the other day, they said one thing that we do is we put the danger around the water. And the first thing that we talk to the kids is it's dangerous to go near the water. Don't go near the water. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And all of a sudden we've built this fear and anxiety inside, you know, by making it so dangerous. Instead, I think we need to flip the thinking and flip the language in making it, you know, be safe by the water. And knowing that as an adult, I love being near the water. Granted, sometimes I don't like getting my hair wet. I am one of those people. But, you know, it's because I'm, I'm blonde, so, like, the dying stuff. <laughs> but knowing that I can enjoy a summer's day by the beach, I can go for a swim anywhere, is just, it all started with my parents going, you know what, let's go do swim lessons so you can have that opportunity. And I think it's really important that we start it when we're young to learn the skill to be able to, as adults, have fun in what we do. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's about connecting with those parents to show them that, you know, this is a skill what can happen later on in life if they have that skill. And it just like you said, flipping up on its edge. We don't need to say it's a scary environment. We need to say and to be safe. That's exactly it, to be safe around the water. Really just give them that opportunity and, yes, to make it, that it's just natural for us to be around the water, natural for everyone. It doesn't need to be scary for people. I know there are people like my husband who has had a near drowning experience that water is not fun for him and it is not natural. He's part Dutch, so he's stubborn and I'm, I am working <laughs> on him to get it natural for him. 
sees the kids involved. I think the more it clicks to him that it's not as he's now to the point that we're thinking of retiring to Yapoon in a couple of years in Queensland. And he's, oh, I'm going to get a boat. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go to the beach. And I was like, what the hell? Where did this come from? Like a couple of years ago, you didn't want anything to do with the water. So I think just seeing those experiences, those real life situations where people are actually getting a lot more out of it. Even things like, you know, you see on Facebook and it may be just because I'm in aquatics that I have all those aquatic pages on there. But I know Life Saving Victoria put on stuff about the lifeguards who were refugees and now they've become lifeguards. Or there was one about the... I'm not sure of the nationality, so I won't say because I'll probably get it wrong, but they're all wearing the full one-piece outfits with the burkas as well, the hat coverings, um, and they were a whole team of female refugees that didn't know how to swim and now they are being lifeguards at the beach and they're actually competitive lifeguards and they've got the attire that suits their religious stance but they've then been able to take on that skill and give back but it's now getting out there we need those images out in life so people can see those connections and I was on a zoom call the other day and a lady there said you don't know if you can't see it yes if you don't see someone that's struggling learning to swim and they conquer it then you don't know that that's what you can do you don't know that you could be a, a swim teacher with a religious background that means they need to be fully covered. If you don't see that, then other kids aren't going to see that they can do that too. I like that quote. That's a good quote. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it just encompasses the whole aquatics. I think we see, and it is for a short amount of time, what the, the Olympians do. They're absolutely amazing and what they can do. But do we actually see a lot more of what the average person does in the water? Agreed. Agreed. It would be good to see it. Yeah. Oh, there we are. There's a marketing campaign to start off with. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's right. That's the trouble. You're going to have that. (laughs) So thank you, Kelly. What you've shared in this episode is absolutely amazing. You bring a lot to the industry and you also share so much in this. So lots of tidbits and tips and information in your background. You say you've been in the industry for eight years, amazing eight years to have you in the industry. And even though it's been a short career so far, there's so many more opportunities in that and that you've brought to the industry. I can't wait to the next eight years or the next 30 years in the industry. <laughs> Hopefully we won't use you, lose you to something else, to another one. But yeah, thank you for sharing that knowledge and the information and really inspiring people with what you do. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure.